After a full day at work, I like, like most people, I want for relaxation and entertainment. Many times I'll watch an old movie. The other evening I chose My Fair Lady. For those of you not familiar with the movie, probably not too many, <laughs> it is a musical that examines class values and politics in Edwardian London. Professor Higgins, a phonetics professor, sets out to prove that he can change or transform a young woman, the flower peddler Eliza Doolittle, change her from a cockney-accented shrill in both manner and voice into a refined and proper-speaking cultured member of society. Eliza agrees to this opportunity to improve her job prospects. Enduring Hagen's self-centeredness and tyrannical teachings, Eliza listens to her teacher, and though it takes a while to form new sounds and tune her ear, she does quite well with her studies of elocution, and she changes, and she grows. The major break in her formation as a cultured woman is her success in perfectly stating with no undesired accent, the rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. <laughs> Viewers know Eliza will be an absolute success at some point in time, and we pull for this determined young woman. Higgins, a bit of a sloppy scoundrel really, takes her to Ascot. She is finely dressed and ready to socialize with the upper class. She does well, though a bit stiff in her elocution. Then, in her excitement, the horse she bets on to win needs a little prompting. Eliza forgets where she is, she lets down her guard, and her cockney accent is revealed, and thus her origins and her class. Oops. But it's only a small detour in the road to her success because that does not end her transformation. Indeed, Eliza makes a complete change in her appearance and voice and attitude when she is presented as a lady at the embassy ball. With the help of maids in Higgins' house, she prepares for the evening to accompany Professor Higgins for her final test. When she is ready, Eliza appears at the top of the stairs and looks as never before no longer appearing a common woman dressed in common clothing. Now, she is a woman adorned with jewels around her neck, a crown upon her head, and gleaming crystals covering her dress. She's dazzling. For the moment, she's transfigured, changed in her appearance, and all the people gathered around her were speechless. If you were to read the screenplay of My Fair Lady, it would not convey the moment of transformation in this startling and beautiful way as the motion picture did. You just had to be there and see it on screen. <clears throat> in scripture, what is described today is not a transformation like we see in Eliza Doolittle. The transfiguration of Jesus is a revealing, a change in how we see Jesus. And what is revealed to us in the transfiguration is God and God's promises to us. Jesus normally appears to people as an itinerant preacher and a prophet with remarkable powers and authority. His glory is veiled. Today, Jesus is manifest to us as the Son of God in glory and majesty. Now the veil is off, glory is revealed, and Jesus stands in dazzling white with Moses and Elijah. 
Moses and Elijah, as read earlier, were two in the Hebrew tradition who were taken to heaven, having not died. Moses, of course, was chosen by God to lead the people of Israel to a new life and a given promised land full of milk and honey, blessed with rules to live by so that the nation would prosper. And Elijah was considered by Israel as the greatest of the prophets, the one, as told by the prophet Malachi, who had come before the day of the Lord. God the Father breaks in again as he did during Jesus' baptism as he proclaimed that Jesus is his son, expressing approval. I am, in you I am well pleased. Today, from a cloud which enshrouded the mountain, a voice proclaimed, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Jesus knew that his time was short. He had much to reveal and teach his followers. Six days prior to this moment on the mountaintop, Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah. You have to think that Peter believed that indeed Jesus is the Messiah, but he could not accept that Jesus would suffer and die at the hands of those in authority and then would rise again. Because for Peter, that's the economy, the world he knew and he believed in. Peter was not ready to take the next step in understanding what God is doing for us. You see his confusion again expressed as he offers to build three tents for for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. This is just not adding up in his mind, and maybe not for the other disciples either. Certainly, understanding takes time. Jesus had told his disciples what to expect, preparing them for his death, and because they are his followers, their future would include suffering and possibly death. But they weren't listening. The way of the cross, suffering and death, and Jesus' rising again was was inescapable to accomplish God's plan. That is, the conquering of the power of sin and death with a greater power of love, justice, and forgiveness, and to bring us to everlasting life with God, as he meant for us all along. Here, God says, listen to my son, and the gospel Jesus preached was God's coming reign on earth, and for those who believed in the Messiah, to bear witness to the transforming love of God. The mountaintop appearance by God is a moment to carry in our own hearts, for challenging times or moments we question in our faith journey. Sometimes God will make spectacular appearances such as this in people's lives. I've had people share with me their experiences. But more likely, we experience the glory of God little by little as we listen to Jesus and meditate on his teachings and receive the sacraments, live in the light of Christ, we continue towards sanctification, and our faces and our hearts and our souls become transfigured. <clears throat> As Paul writes, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, and all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of God as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. And like the character Eliza Doolittle, we can strive to grow, to be willing to become more in the image of Christ, 
so that we are transfigured into his likeness and glory. Not to better our own lives, because it's not about us, but to glorify God. To do so, we do well to pay attention and listen to what Jesus says and believe him. Believe him when he says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. And in that decision is wholeness and joy. We are to love each other in the way Jesus taught us, denying the world's claim of dominion and power and greed and exploitation in our lives so that the kingdom of God is given, is given, way the, given the way of justice and love. We bring the kingdom to this life, to this earth, by living it in our hearts and our souls and minds each day and walking forward in Jesus' teachings. I love my son, says God the Father. Listen to him. And listen to him with great desire to follow in his way.